Hello, Horror Fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen, and we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Oh, oh the, the Horror. horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, or follow, or send some smoke signals to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. You can do that. You can go to our website, ohthehorrorpodcast.com, mm-hmm. connect mm-hmm. to your favorite platform. Yep. You can also send an email and say, Frank, what's wrong with your voice? Well, I think it's fitting that as we're discussing ancient maladies, that you contract a current malady. Malady, yes. Nice job. I got the douche flu. You did. Yep. Yeah. As we do plagues. Yes. Yeah. uh, I find it fitting. Poetic. Poetic, if you will. All day, I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, watched a good F1 race. Kind of mm-hmm. crappy ending. Well, uh, I mean, it ended under safety car, which isn't ideal. Yeah, but, no, I mean, I kind of think that was had, going to be... They had a sh- they should have had the last lap going. I mean, they should have, but hey, what are you going to do? people didn't come here for F1 racing. They did not. That's another podcast they, for another day. They came here for plagues. Plagues. And I'm so serious into my work. That you... That I caught the douche flu yeah. so I could be prepared. Yeah. Um, this is so method right here. A little bit. This is this is very method. Yeah. 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 So but, uh, that's great. So what do you got for... Uh, well, what for episode sources? is this? It's plagues. Yeah, but it's episode... <laughs> It is episode 90. 90. We are 10 away from 100. 100? 100. All right. We're going to have to celebrate 100. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, sources. History.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Middle Ages Black Death. Okay. Messy Nessie Chick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Unexpected Dancing Plague and Other Epidemics of Yore. And Mentalfloss.com. Historical manias gripped societies, then disappeared. Wow. I did a, uh, let's see, History of Plague Part 1, The Three Great Pandemics. Okay. I have some. Is there a part de? Well, yeah, as you go through them, but that's the main source. Okay. And then uh, I have some that are connected to uh, dancing plagues and dancing mania. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, history seven devly, uh, deadliest, deadliest, deadliest. We're going to get through this. We are <laughs> in plagues of Egypt. Nice. Yeah. So I bet the plagues of Egypt are probably the oldest. I don't have the plagues of Egypt. They are. Uh, a lot of the plagues of Egypt are in the account of the book of Exodus. Okay. There's basically. So is that like the frogs, the boils? Yeah, there's the 10 disasters that are inflicted on, like, biblical Egypt mm-hmm. by the God of Israel. And it was basically to convince the Pharaoh to allow the Israelites to depart from slavery. To let my people go. Yeah. And this is where this is where these old biblical stories get a little weird, you know? Mm-hmm. So you got turning water into blood. Yep. You got frogs. Yep. Lice or gnats. Yep. 
Wild animals are flies. Yep. Pestilence of livestock. Yep. Boils. Yep. Thunderstorm of uh, hail and fire. Yep. Locusts. Yep. Darkness for three days. Okay. And death of firstborn son. Yes. That's the 10. Yep. And, uh, you know, one could casually look and observe that and say, well, you know. Did they really happen or is it just a story? Yeah, did it really happen or is mm-hmm. it, is, you know, is it just a story? I think what's interesting with some of these, you know, because like they're they're actually mirrored next to other documents mm-hmm. because as as I've renewed my yes my faith in the last year mm-hmm. year and a half now maybe I don't know it's been a bit it's been a bit almost yeah. two years um it's amazing I didn't make these correlations before like I would just read the Bible face value and be like that sounds like a bunch of horse shit. Mm-hmm. Now, as I'm reading more books and, and getting into the historical relevance, there's a lot of connecting documents right? Yes. to these events. Mm-hmm. So not only do you have the Bible talking about it, but you also have these other historical yes. documents. That yeah. And there's archaeological evidence that supports, like, yes, there was a flood yeah. in the area. A great battle was fought here. Exactly. Yeah. They were both masters. They were both masters. And it doesn't matter that the... I don't care the about loser. the loser. Yeah. Only buttercup matters. Buttercup? Yeah, so that was the earliest stuff I was looking into. Okay. And uh, and then we'll, we'll then transition. Then we'll get to where, the OG. Yeah, where you are. Yeah. The bubonic plague, yeah. a.k.a. the Black Death. Man. And the Black Death, or bubonic plague, struck Europe and Asia in the mid-1300s. The plague arrived in Europe in October of 1347, when 12 ships from the Black Sea docked at the Sicilian port of Messina. People gathered on the docks uh, were met with a horrifying surprise. Most of the sailors aboard the ships were dead, and those still alive were gravely ill and covered in black boils that oozed blood and pus. Sicilian authorities hastily ordered the fleet of death ships out of the harbor, but it was too late. Over the next five years, the Black Death would kill more than 20 million people in Europe, almost one-third of the continent's population. It's crazy. So even before the death ships pulled into the port at Messina, many Europeans had heard rumors about a great pestilence that was carving a deadly path across the trade routes of the Near and Far East. Indeed, in the early 1340s, the disease had struck China, India, Persia, Syria, and Egypt. The plague is thought to have originated in Asia over 2,000 years ago and was likely spread by trading ships, though recent research has indicated the pathogen responsible for the Black Death may have existed in Europe as early as 3,000 BC. Europeans were scarcely equipped for the horrible reality of the Black Death. Quote, in men and women alike, the Italian poet Giovanni Boccaccio wrote, at the beginning of the melody, certain swellings, either on the groin or under the armpits, waxed to the bigness of a common apple, others to the size of an egg, some more and some less, and these the vulgar named plague boils. Mm -hmm. Blood and pus seeped out of these strange swellings, which were followed by a host of other unpleasant symptoms. Fever, chills, vomiting diarrhea, terrible aches and pains, and then, in short order, death. 
The bubonic plague attacks the lymphatic system, causing swelling in the lymph nodes. If untreated, the infection can spread to the blood or lungs. And I'm betting it's kind of like an and, blood and lungs. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's one or the other. The Black Death was terrifyingly, indiscriminately contagious. The mere touching of the clothes, wrote Boccaccio, appeared to itself to communicate the malady to the toucher. The disease was also terrifyingly efficient. People who were perfectly healthy when they went to bed at night could be dead by the morning. Today, scientists understand that the Black Death, now known as the plague, is spread by a bacillus called Yersinia pestis. The French biologist Alexandre Yersin discovered this germ at the end of the 19th century. They know that the bacillus travels from person to person through the air, as well as through the bite of infected fleas and rats. So both of these pests could be found almost everywhere in medieval Europe, but they were particularly at home aboard ships of all kinds, which is how the deadly plague made its way through one European port city to another. Filthy sailors. I mean... It kind of, you know, what are you going to do? So not long after it struck Messina, the Black Death spread to the port of Marseille in France and the port of Tunis in North Africa. It then reached Rome and Florence, two cities at the center of an elaborate web of trade routes. And by the middle of 1348, the Black Death had struck Paris, Bordeaux, Lyon, and London. Mm. Today, this grim sequence of events is terrifying but comprehensible. In the middle of the 14th century, however, there seemed to be no rational explanation for it. Hard stop for a second. You have to take into consideration they hadn't discovered germs yet. No. This is where you had ghosts in your blood. Mm -hmm. They had little to no treatments, if you will, aside from bloodletting, putting a hole in your skull so that you could release the spirits if you were having a headache so this is this is where we're spoiled in our era right now and it would it would still be hundreds of years before they realized hey you know you should wash your hands yeah as a as a practitioner so doctors couldn't Mm. understand and one of the biggest indicators was that the physicians that washed their hands had a smaller mortality rate in yeah. births because they, they it didn't occur to them that as they were treating someone who was severely, highly contagious yeah. and then going and delivering a baby that they could be cross-contaminating. And but this is a whole culture system that people today can't wrap their heads around. Right. Nothing was clean then. No. Nothing. Not even the water, which is why they made beer. Yeah. That was the only way that... that purified the water yeah. so they I mean, could drink they, it. They used to dump their waste out of like top story windows into the, the street. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff like yeah, that. They did. Nothing was clean at all. No. And, no. Uh, and they didn't bathe regularly. No. No. It was like a monthly bath and then everyone in the house would use the same bath. Well, I was, I, I joke about it all the time. I think we said it on here. Just the fact that how much booze people drank because there was no good water. Exactly, yeah. You know, and everybody wants to cast all these judgments on these older generations and civilizations of how wicked they were and all that. It's like, dude, they were drunk all the time. I mean, I'm kind of grateful because the monk, Dom Perignon, developed champagne 
And I mean, I think we can all agree that the world is a better place <laughs> because we have champagne. Yeah. You know, that's how they celebrate the victories in the F1 races is with champagne. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I, I think it's a concept that people just are unable to wrap their head around. Well, that's because we're so spoiled now. We know how it is There's just now. a whole different yeah. existence mm-hmm. now. Yeah. But the fact that they never bathed, they never cleaned, like no. cleanliness wasn't even really a conceptual idea. No. They were drunk all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. You know, and then I got to laugh when people look back and go, well, geez, those were, those were some wicked people. It's like, really? Really? Or I'm were they thinking just life wasn't drunks. too fucking happy yeah. then. You know, I think it was a pretty miserable existence. Yeah. And you I really had to hold. getting by. And you had to hold on to the core of morales just to keep the whole entire thing together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everything these, was held together by the thinnest of threads. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's the Justinian plague. Mm-hmm. 30 to 50 million people died. Uh, this was like 541 to 549. This is eight years. Yeah. So let's just put it into context. COVID is a million and a half, or let's just round it up to 2 million for the world. Mm-hmm. And it's been a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, this is 30 to 50 million in eight years. Yeah. And uh, it reached Constantinople, uh, capital of late Roman or the, um, I always, I'm sick, boy. The Byzantine Byzantine, Byzantine yeah. uh, Empire in 541 AD. It was killing 10,000 people a day. Corpses littered public spaces yes. and were stacked like produce indoors. Yep. It was perhaps the first major outbreak of the bubonic plague the world had seen, and the record suggests that it extended across multiple cont- uh, continents. Right. Reaching Rome and mm-hmm. Egypt, the Mediterranean, Northern Europe, Arabian per- Peninsula. Um, and basically it's just insane because mm-hmm. there was way less people in the population then right, yes. than as of yeah. now. So like 30, 50 million people, that's a huge impact. Yeah. I didn't get to search on, on all that to like what the population estimation right. was then. Well, I mean, but. this was 20 million. Uh, yeah. yeah 20, so. million, 20 million. And yeah. that was a th- third of the continent of Europe's population. Yeah. yeah. That's nothing to sneer at. That'd be like something happened in, in the States here mm-hmm. and one of the coasts is just gone. Yeah. That's the perspective to put that in mm-hmm. so people could wrap their head around it. Right. Is it, What if COVID came through and mm-hmm. just knocked out half a coast? Right. Erased. Yeah. Gone. Yep. Gone. You know. It's it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was it? So, what do you got next? I'm continuing with the Black oh, Death. Oh, I'm sorry. Go for it. So, no one knew exactly how the Black Death was transmitted from one patient to another, and no one knew how to prevent or treat it, as we were saying. According to one doctor, for example, quote, instantaneous Instantaneous death occurs when the aerial spirit escaping from the eyes of the sick man strikes the healthy person standing near and looking at the sick. So, end quote. Uh, That was from a doctor. So physicians relied on crude and unsophisticated techniques such as bloodletting and boil lancing, practices that were dangerous as well as unsanitary, and superstitious practices such as burning aromatic herbs and bathing in rose water or vinegar. 
Meanwhile, in a panic, healthy people did all they could to avoid the sick. Doctors refused to see patients. Priests refused to administer last rites. Shopkeepers closed their stores. There's quite a, uh, a path here. Mm-hmm. Many people fled the cities for the countryside, but even there they could not escape the disease. It affected cows, sheep, goats, pigs, and chickens, as well as people. So, I mean, that would be devastating. Now you're losing your food source. Yeah. In fact, so many sheep died that one of the consequences of the Black Death was a European wool shortage. And many people, desperate to save themselves, even abandoned their sick and dying loved ones. Thus doing, Boccaccio wrote, each thought to secure immunity for himself. End quote. Because they did not understand the biology of the disease, many people believed that the Black Death was a kind of divine punishment, retribution for sins against God, such as greed, blasphemy, heresy, fornication, and worldliness. Boy, that worldliness will get you every Every time. So by this logic, the only way to overcome the plague was to win God's forgiveness. And some people believe that the way to do this was to purge their communities of heretics and other troublemakers. So, for example, many thousands of Jews were massacred in 1348 and 1349. Thousands more fled to the sparsely populated regions of Eastern Europe, where they could be relatively safe from the rampaging mobs in the cities. Some people coped with the terror and uncertainty of the Black Death epidemic by lashing out at their neighbors. Others coped by turning inward and fretting about the condition of their own souls. Some upper-class men joined processions of flagellants that traveled from town to town and engaged in public displays of penance and punishment. They would beat themselves and one another with heavy leather straps studded with sharp pieces of metal while the townspeople looked on. For 33 and a half days, the flagellants repeated this ritual three times a day. Then they would move on to the next town and begin the process over again. Though the flagellant movement did provide some comfort to people who felt powerless in the face of inexplicable tragedy, it soon began to worry the Pope, whose authority the flagellants had begun to usurp. In the face of this papal resistance, the movement disintegrated. The plague never really ended, and it returned with a vengeance years later. But officials in the port city of Ragusa were able to slow its spread by keeping arriving sailors in isolation until it was clear they were not carrying the disease, creating social distancing that relied on isolation to slow the spread of the disease. The sailors were initially held on their ships for 30 days, a Trentino, a period that was later increased to 40 days, or a quarantine, the origin of the the term quarantine and a practice still used today. The Black Death epidemic had run its course by the early 1350s, but the plague reappeared every few generations for centuries. Modern sanitation and public health practices have greatly mitigated the impact of the disease, but have not eliminated it. While antibiotics are available to treat the Black Death, according to the World Health Organization, there are still 1,000 to 3,000 cases of plague every year. Mm. So, that's fun. And just so I can rewind a titch. Okay. When I said 1 million, 1.5 million deaths, I meant the U.S. Because I was trying to put it in perspective of, like, our population would be the same as in a place, mm-hmm. you know, because I okay. know there's somebody probably losing their mind after they... Whatevs. Yeah, pretty much. So let's 
let's talk about some lesser known plagues. Let's. Because, I mean, I think everyone has learned about the bubonic plague. I yeah, it's and, pretty standard. You know, you know, you can't hear children's fairy tales yeah. or, or rhymes. Ring Around the Rosy is mm-hmm. about the Black Death. God bless you. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. So. When you sneeze. Yeah. It's. It was super impactful. I mean, I get it. You think about something that's long standing because that, yeah, that goes, it was years. God bless you when someone sneezes or even just bless you. Yep, yep. It goes back a long ways. It sure does. And there's people still doing it. I yeah. still do it. Well, it's polite, I think. Yeah. 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 And so as not to offend, God bless you has been shortened to bless you. Hey, whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever creams your Twinkie. So the medieval <laughs> dancing plague of 1518. I know. However, in 1374, mm. dozens of villages along the Rhine River were in the grips of a deadly plague, a dancing plague called Choreomania. Yeah. By the hundreds, villagers took to the streets, leaping, jerking, and hopping to music no one else could hear. They barely ate or slept and just danced, sometimes for days on end, until their bloodied feet could support them no more. They would say sometimes thousands at a time would oh, do wait, this. There's more. The plague swept the countryside and almost just as suddenly as it had come, disappeared. Until July 1518 in Strasbourg, where a woman named Frau Trophea picked up the tune again and danced for days on end. Within a week, she was joined by 34 people. By the end of the month, the crowd had swelled to 400. Given this happened in the Middle Ages, they just died. Dozens perished, having literally danced themselves into heart attacks, strokes, and exhaustion. And just as before, it just went away. So what the hell happened? Historians, psychologists, and scientists have tried to forensically get to the bottom of the dancing mystery. For a while, the prevailing theory was that it was a mass psychotic episode sparked by eating bread tainted by ergot, a mold that grows on the stalks of damp rye. When consumed, it can cause convulsions, shaking, and delirium. But John Waller, a history professor at Michigan State University, disagrees. According to all contemporary accounts of both outbreaks, the sufferers were dancing, not convulsing. In the mold's defense, the two can be difficult to distinguish. And as to the other popular theory that the victims were part of some heretic dancing cult, Walter says there's nothing to suggest that they wanted to dance. So Waller has a different theory, that these plagues were mass psychogenic illnesses sparked by pious fear and depression. Both manias were preceded by periods of devastating famine, crop failures, dramatic floods, and all manner of biblical catastrophe. Anxiety, fear, depression, and superstition, in particular, the belief that God was sending down plagues to persecute the guilty, made people susceptible to falling into this kind of involuntary trance state. And dancing plagues were the calling card of one St. Vitus, an early Christian martyr venerated with dance parties, meaning that the idea was Strasbourg wasn't the last time a dancing plague ripped through a population. The most recent appears to be in 1840s in Madagascar, where people danced as if possessed. 
But this epidemic appears to be rooted in a particular uh, cultural milieu. And I tried to find more information on the 1840s Madagascar yeah, dancing plague. And, and I couldn't find anything. Yeah, I kind of, I ran out of my uh, my good health <laughs> as I was pursuing through that. But it, it it's pretty amazing because I, I'm not buying the erratic type movement thing confused with dancing. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to confuse like, I'm not making that leap. Well, it is the 1300s. I know. But. You are an uneducated people. Mm. And maybe the best way you can describe said movements is dancing. But I mean, they I even mean, say they hear music and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, and they did. And this gets back to, again, this cultural distance we have. Mm-hmm. And generational distance overall of how the world used to be mm-hmm. compared to what it is now. Right. I mean, the amount of spoilage we have in every uh, single yeah. direction. Yeah. So this is where I believe the dude from, what was it, Michigan? Yes. Yeah. I'm more on the dude from Michigan side on this whole thing. Where yeah. You yeah. start piling the stress up. Yeah. A famine. Yeah. Famine. You know. Crop failures. Yeah. Floods. So... You know, I'm betting if there's famine and crop failures, aside from floods, there were probably droughts as well. So now you're you're it, anxious, you're fearful, you're afraid to do anything because if you plant your crop wrong, mm-hmm. you're going to lose it. No, this is where you start losing, yeah. losing and your mind. And you just lose, you just snap. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's where I would, I would see this. But mm-hmm. what's amazing is this only happened... A handful of recorded times. Yeah. Basically, like, what, three? Yeah. Yep. You know, as far as what we could search around and find. Because I'm fascinated by this. Absolutely fascinated. Like yeah. The, the the dancing plague of 1518, to me, is In just... In Strasbourg? Yeah, yeah. Which is modern-day France now. Yeah. Uh, and it was during the Holy Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And it was from July 1518 to September 1518. Pause, please. Bless you. Thank you. So welcome. I'm going to leave that in because <laughs> it's plagues. But it's somewhere between 50 and 400 people took to dancing. Yeah. For weeks. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it. there's a whole controversy on whether they ultimately dance to their deaths. Well... But some claim that for a period, the plague killed around 15 people a day. Mm-hmm. And the sources of the city of uh, Strasbourg uh, at the time of the events did not mention the number of deaths or even if they were fatalities. There doesn't appear to be any sources of, uh, yeah, you know, I'll, the events I'll, I don't have to a, make note of the, a, you know. A so final th- tally? I just have dozens. Yeah, yeah. and And I definitely, like, I think the stress-induced mass hysteria. Yeah, I could I could see that all day I can, long. I can get behind that. And maybe, as Just I like to say maybe. it all the time, it's a combination of it all. Yeah. Maybe there was something in the food. Yeah. Maybe you had this mass hysteria going on that's stress-induced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're all taking some psychedelic. Yeah. 
Maybe they got into you mushrooms know. and didn't even know it. Yeah. I Maybe mean, they were in the spirit world. Well, you see people that are sketching on meth and, and all that oh, stuff yeah. and, you know, yeah. just doing the weird stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, it could be something to that, oh, yeah. to that degree. They could have ingested unknowingly yeah. a psychotropic. Maybe. Wouldn't, wouldn't rule it out. Yeah. And maybe that's with the mystery of it. It's like yeah. nobody needs to know about this shit. It's fucked Shh. up. You know, we're going to keep this on the DL. We're going to take one for the team and we're not going to let anybody like, else know. About I don't this. know what happened. <laughs> they had ghosts in their blood. Yeah. So, but for- it'd be a hard thing to sell to be a victim and look for like sympathy for. Cause you'd be like, dude, man, I caught, I, I, I caught, I, I caught the dancing plague. I caught the dancing fever. People would be like, really? Yeah. Oh, serious, man. I put on my, 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 my boogie <laughs> shoes. My boogie shoes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like you're you're sick, sick. Yeah, Obviously, I, you're able to dance. Yeah. But. I mean, where was uh, Footloose? Yeah. But there's drawings of this, uh, and they're, they're uh, like engravings and mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, it's pretty interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. Which, if they went through the trouble to make the engravings and the drawings, I I have to put some faith into this that it really happened. So, get a load of this. Yeah. 491 years later, we get cat nuns. Yeah. Apparently, medieval France was so excruciatingly boring that even the clergy began getting in on the mass hysteria to, you know, whip things up, spice things up, make things a little more exciting. In the 15th century, a French nun inexplicably began to meow like a cat, shortly leading to the other nuns in the convent also meowing. Eventually, all the nuns would meow together for a certain period every day, leaving the surrounding community astonished. The meowing epidemic continued until the police threatened to storm the convent and whip the nuns into silence. So the Middle Ages being kind of boring and worse for the sometimes unwilling inhabitants of nunneries, mewling like cats would be one way to pass the time. Historical reports indicate that nunneries were rife with, quote, motor hysteria a kind of mass psychogenic illness that had some women exhibiting the signs of demonic possession, mm-hmm. others acting out in sexually disturbing ways, and one convent mewling like cats and trying to claw their way up trees. So the period of nuns behaving badly lasted about 300 years, beginning at around 1400 and affected convents across Europe. One of the last was perhaps the most deadly. In 1749... A woman at a convent in Würzburg, Germany, was beheaded on suspicion of being a witch after an episode of mass fainting, foaming at the mouth, and screaming. Usually, however, these episodes ended in someone calling in a priest for some exorcisms. Waller, he of the investigations of the dancing plagues, the dude from Michigan, also came up with a theory as to what would drive these nuns to distraction a combination of stress and strong religious tradition of trance and possession. Women who were sent to nunneries did not always go willingly, and convents, especially starting in the 1400s, were very harsh places. 
The rigorous devotion to spiritual betterment wasn't for everyone, and the stress and privations these women experience could sometimes cause them to act out. When they would, it was often with behavior that stereotypically mimicked demonic possession. Quote, they believed implicitly in the possibility of possession and so made themselves susceptible to it, wrote Waller. Well, I think then, again, totally separated from a whole culture and everything. You know, this yeah. is where I love diving into historical stuff like this because it really just shows how fucking great you got it now. Yeah. Uh, even now, where people think, oh, my God, everything's going to end. It, well, it always could end. Well, I mean, yes. But, Let's but be honest. Fact is, everything is, is going to end at some point. Our, our point right now is still not bad. Trust me, folks, you haven't hit bottom yet. You got a long, yeah, a long ways way to, go. to go. I mean, <laughs> even the homeless in California are getting 600 bucks a month just to be homeless. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not bad. But. This uh, this is a branch of two things that I find exceptionally interesting. Mm-hmm. I've always thought it was interesting, like the vow of silence mm-hmm. with nunneries and monasteries and right. things like yes. that. And the vow of silence, it looks appealing at the end of the day, but what a struggle that must be Yeah, to not say anything, be quiet. Well, to be and, fair. And just work. And Meow. Well, yeah, like... It's just the it's littlest just the things to get. Yeah, but like how broken <laughs> you get to it, you yeah. know. And and then you said that not many people were there voluntarily. Mm-hmm. And this goes into a discussion. A lot of times they would just send either an unwanted child or a child that was a burden, you know, yeah. too old to be a, a changeling. So they would just ship them off to a convent. Well, and this goes back to, again, where we are today, how great it is. Mm-hmm. Most of the population, at least we'd like to think at this point most, and mm-hmm. I'm just talking about the states, is working. Yeah. Where they can actually go mm-hmm. to a place, provide some sort of service or labor. Yeah. You know, most people are providing labor and right. not a service. Yes. There's a difference. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, they're getting money. And that's a bargain for the future. Mm-hmm. That's all money is. Right. Money yes. is a bargain for the future. Mm-hmm. You keep making money, you can fulfill the bargain of the future. Right. Yeah. And, and do future events. Mm-hmm. Money doesn't help you like right now. No. You know, because you just, you already have what you have because yesterday's money. Right. Yes. So if you were to take that all out and now you're working on the barter system, and I was joking with a, a, a coworker about this a few days ago, mm-hmm. but I say it often. If we went to the barter system, <clears throat> there'd be a ton of useless people around. True. Because the barter, <coughs> the the barter system, you have to offer something useful. Right. Yes. So if you offer a service, mm-hmm. a product, mm-hmm. or something like that. You're useful in a barter situation. Right. You've got some strength yeah. and you've got some weight to throw around. But if you're only if you're only labor is that you have a huge following on Instagram. I mean No, but I'm just saying, yeah. like if your currency is labor, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't know how to get food for yourself, yeah. And you don't know how to produce anything yourself or mm-hmm. fix anything. Yeah then the person who can fix things, you have to offer them something. Right. That's the whole barter thing. Mm-hmm. 
And if you can't do anything, then that person's going to say, well, I need you to work for me on something. Right. And this is how quote unquote slavery started. Mm -hmm. The people who are the whole slavery movement and talk about how, oh, slavery, this slavery, that that's how it started. Yeah. And that's how it's done most of the time Mm -hmm. is there's this negotiation for labor and if you can't offer anything that helps that person, then you give labor of time right, to yes. that person. Yeah. So say the, say the person that has a nice house and there's five people down the street that are worthless. Well, I can give you some food, a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did this in England forever with maids, yeah. butlers, yeah. cooks, mm-hmm. all that. Because these are people that couldn't survive in the town by themselves. Right. So they would congregate up together mm-hmm. and everybody had these jobs and these roles. And some can call it slavery. Some cannot. Right. But the fact is, is if you have nothing to offer in a barter like system, mm-hmm. which was most of history, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I mean, our relative economic boom here with manufacturing and, and things like that. But I mean. Yeah. But I mean, here in the States with a, a set price and, and I would probably even say, uh, the like the UK. Yeah. I believe they probably have a set price, but the vast majority of the world is still a barter system. To to a certain degree. Yeah. yeah. And and that's that's something to take account when, you know, cuz it just kind of pointed out to me where, you know, they were sent there against their own wishes mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. It's like these people don't have a choice. Nobody wants them. They're not right. useful to anybody. And I think it's kind of they, you know, these nunneries and things like that take took these people in. Right. No yes. one else wanted no. them. You know, yeah. and then there's a point of if you're useful. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. When it's when it's when the chips are down and you've got a group of 20 people on a piece of land in a building or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you're all throwing your weight around. Mm-hmm. But you've got one or two people that just are not helping. Right. They're not contributing. Yeah. They're not doing anything. And they're their uh, psychosis is just dangerous to the group. Yeah. They're going to get rid of them. Right. Because yeah. it poisons the whole group. Yeah. You know. Just takes one bad apple to destroy the bunch. Yeah. And this is how whole villages would turn the mm-hmm. tides on, mm-hmm. on things like that. And that's something I think that like learning these plagues and things like that. Yeah. People just don't have a grasp of how time was then. No. At all. We're no. so freaking disconnected with it. Mm-hmm especially ones that don't read about history at all or get into these historical accounts. I mean, honestly, folks that listen to this are generally people that That are are into into this and and they're going to understand it. So I know I'm kind of speaking to a... We're preaching to the choir. (laughs) Preaching to the choir. But but I just find it interesting that literally how much has changed in the last like 300 years. It's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. But what finds me funny with this is what if a dance and play just like kicked off right now? How do you think that would work out? I have no idea. You know? It, I mean, it really makes me curious. Like what would happen? Yeah. With today's information What would age, a medical doctor say? It would be all over on TikTok. Oh, oh, They'd yeah. have all these mashups and, yeah. you know, like yeah. all the crazy stuff with it. They'd be dubbing it with whatever music's going on and all that. But yeah. at the end of the day, like, yeah. like, would we just ultimately lose it or would we just steamroll through it? 
I don't know. I often wonder that. I don't know. I don't know. Because, I mean, you look at cults, for example. Yeah. How easily a group of people can be swayed. I know. You know, and so you now get- with the younger generation being so stimulated by the likes and the shares and the approval of others. Yeah. If yeah. you had a bunch of people dancing, mm-hmm. like you would just start dancing because you don't want to well, be left out. I don't even look out. at that. I think there's a, just a lot of people that are uh, in a bad mental state. Yeah. And that's a whole separate podcast. But, but like, for example, like the Tide Pod Challenge. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a given. You don't eat Tide Pods. I didn't have to read a warning label yeah. to know not but to yeah, eat laundry detergent. You had this detergent. whole group that just yeah. fell into it. And, like, we go through this with the cults and all that stuff. So that's where I look at this one in 1518 the same way, where there's 50 to 400 people that took to dancing for weeks. Mm-hmm. I would say maybe knowing the Milgram experiment and yeah. all these other things, I would say out of 400, probably six to 10 had problems. Right. And the rest fell in. Just fell in. Because they wanted to belong to something. Yes. Yeah. And and before this podcast, I would have never have uttered a statement like that. Right. Yes. But yeah. after doing this podcast and this and the stuff with cults, I think people are social so, media now yeah. has reinforced probably accidentally or maybe it was on purpose to program this whole generation of people to be susceptible to fall in. Yeah, I think I think the thing with social media And with my experience in IT, I know there was a point like, and you, you remember this, like Mm -hmm. halfway through my career, I was like, you know what? I'm not helping. Right. Yeah. And I remember just coming home with that conflict. Like I, I am not helping. Mm -hmm. I'm, I am not helping humanity here Mm -hmm. because I'd watch people that were way into social media too much, going too far down Mm -hmm. the hole, uh, and also, not just down the hole, but there's that endorphin rush that people crave for likes. Yes, and it's a, it's a, it's serious, and it's a it's a terrible negotiation system. Yes, because you start getting desperate to get likes. Yeah, it's like the whole you get thing so with... desperate, you'll take a picture of your meal at a restaurant, exactly, so you can get the approval yes. of others, or take a picture of yourself leaning over. The railing on a very steep cliff yeah. when you probably shouldn't do that. Or you do the bathroom selfie with the mirror, which yeah. in my opinion is the shittiest photo you could take of yourself. But my favorite are the people who are like, if you're gonna take the picture in the bathroom, flush the toilet first. Ugh, geez. <laughs> no, but I just I don't I yeah. never got it. I, I yeah. never understood it. I, I still don't. Mm-hmm. People can call me old. I don't give a flying fuck. Right. But the fact is, is I see that that craving yes. for a response. Mm-hmm. And some just do it to stir the 
the snakes, you yeah, know. Stir the pot. Oh yeah. I got a buddy of mine that I worked with uh back with MVP where um I mean he just throws memes just to light people up. Right. You know, and that's the way he's always been, that's the way he's always gonna be. Mm-hmm. That's why I love him. Mm-hmm. Lee, you're the best. But <laughs> but basically, you know, there's others I see like in in my friends list. Yeah. And and I look and it's just like stop being this desperate. You know, yeah. and the worst part of it is, is they're beautiful people. Mm-hmm. I'm not even just saying with looks, just beautiful yeah. people. Yeah. It's like, you, you don't need all this. You, you, you could get so much more if you went the other way mm-hmm. and just set the phone down yeah. and talk to that person next to you. Yeah. And they would find out how awesome you are Engage as a person. Engage and interact. Yeah. And that's where, world. and that's where I ultimately see this. I hate to be all doomsday, but it's the plague section, you know. That's where I see all this going to shit. Yeah. I am, yeah. you know me, I'm a positive person. I try mm-hmm. to stay optimistic, but technology is going to ruin us in a big way. Yeah. And, and you've got, I had to laugh because like Meta, yeah, you know, formerly Facebook, they're trying to do this virtual, uh, yes. you know, this virtual world. And I watched a commercial on it. Uh, it was something through a video I was streaming and it was a commercial and it was just these people meeting in all these different areas and, you know, mm-hmm. and they look like real people. And I got to laugh because it's like, dude, you've come right out and said that this is going to take 10 to 15 years to get what you're advertising out. Right. Because right now it's like bullshit Fortnite graphics at yes. best. Yeah. People don't even have the bottom of their bodies. They're yeah, shaped no, like it's a just a, it's, a circle and yeah. like a, a teardrop, but upside down. And what people need to understand is billions of dollars created that. that. Yeah. I mean, the amount of money and energy and resources and everything to get that to you that. you put into that. Yeah. You mean to tell me that couldn't have been put into yeah. something worthwhile? Well, yeah, and here's the thing, because, like, Facebook, formerly Facebook, has created and destroyed this entire era, let's Mm -hmm. say, and they're doubling up on let's make it more interactive, you know, and not seeing the issue with it. And I get it working with former IT folks and all that, because there's a lot of things you look at and you're like, man, this is so great. Technology made this happen. Mm-hmm. Insert X. Right. And it is. It's incredible. But the fact is, is you do have to look and see what else it's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can't feel. ignore the rest of I it. I feel so bad for kids right now. Mm-hmm. With the bullying online. Mm-hmm. The bullying through social media and, and just all of that stuff. Like, right. I, they can't do anything. There's a camera around. There's a mm-hmm. video around. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's people just waiting for you to fuck up so they can post it. Yeah. So they get some respect on the freaking like meter or the view count. Yeah. At the you end know, of the day, that's all they care about. Yeah. And that's where you see the worst parts of humanity. We've talked about it on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. I My heart weeps. When I see someone getting the shit kicked out of themselves, which is a lot lately. Yeah. And that's all there is, is these people holding phones up. Yeah. Taking a video. Yeah. And it's like, you've you, got a fucking phone in your hand. You are a you terrible. You can call 911. 
I don't even, not the 911, just get involved, help this person. That too. But I mean, if you're not going to do that, you, know, you have your phone out. There's 20 of you taking yeah. videos. 20 of you can take care of this person. Exactly. Yes. And it's just, this is this is where I mm-hmm. see it going to shit. Yeah. And and you can't change my mind on that. It's there. And So let's get back to plagues. Why not? The Tanzania... <laughs> Laughter epidemic of 1962, also called the Laughing Plague. The Laughing Plague. It closed down 14 schools, affected over 1,000 people. The Tanganyika laughter epidemic started with three school kids and a few harmless chuckles. Pretty soon, the laughter had snowballed, and every student in the present-day Tanzania classroom started laughing uncontrollably. Officials tried isolating them, but to no avail. The region had just gained independence from missionaries in 1961, and the stress of that transition is thought to have provoked the epidemic, which also caused children to break out in rashes and fits of tears. As fun as this one may sound, it's a textbook case of mass hysteria that can erupt from collective social trauma. Quote, the incident didn't last for about a year, but it occurred in relapses, not constantly, end quote, explained Dr. Christian F. Hempelman to the Chicago Tribune, quote, hysterically laughing, end quote, takes on a whole new meaning. It all started with a joke, but after 95 students at a girls' boarding school in Tanganyika, now Tanzania, were stricken by the laughing plague, forcing the school to shut down for two months, it didn't really seem funny anymore. The laughing epidemic began on January 30, 1962, at the mission-run girls' school in a tiny rural village in Bukoba, region of Tanganyika, according to a 1963 report, Central African Medical Journal. It started with a bout of uncontrollable laughing among three pupils, which turned into a crying jag attended by anxiety, the fear of being chased, and in some cases, violence when restrained. These symptoms quickly spread through the school, apparently transmitted by contact with an infected person. Onset was sudden and could last anywhere from a few hours to 16 days. Wow. The school was forced to shut down in March after more than half the students, 95 out of the 159, were affected. And then, 10 days after the closure, the disease popped up again, this time in a village 55 miles away. Several of the sick girls had come from the village and, though the medical journal isn't clear on this point, had probably returned while the school was shuttered. In all, some 217 people were afflicted in April and May in that village. The disease then spread through the countryside. Each time, the typhoid Mary was a victim who had either been at the closed girls' school or had come in contact with them. But, as in the cases of most psychogenic illness... There was nothing physically wrong with the afflicted. They exhibited no fevers, no convulsions. Their blood work produced nothing interesting. Theories that they were victims of some kind of psychotropic mold didn't hold water when it was clear that they had no other symptoms. And, as the medical journal rather unkindly pointed out, no literate and relatively sophisticated members of society have been attacked, end quote. That's crazy. So is that where comedians get they killed cool. from? I mean, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you got to get them laughing so hard they die. 
That can be good for business, though. What do you think? You think that's um. You think that's more of a. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, I think like something like that. Do you think it's actually like a stress-induced hysteria, or do you think that it's some sort of weird virus type thing they caught, or do you think it's a um, like an occupation? in them like some sort of source or I don't think it's a virus I don't think it's something that they actually physically caught because think about it think about the number of times where you've been in all right church for example Mm -hmm. and say somebody farts on the pew yeah and it I'm laughing already (laughs) right but you're not supposed to laugh in church Mm -hmm. which makes your laughing that much harder to stop. Mm-hmm. It's like laughing at a funeral. Like in that Mary Tyler Moore episode. Yeah. There yeah. were the three of them. You know, it just starts with one thing and you know you're not supposed to. And the more you're not supposed to, the more you can't control it. Yeah, and if they the have giggles. just come out of this stressful situation where, you know, they kind of have their quote unquote freedom. So you think it's like a release? Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, think about it. You're under all of this weight and restriction, and you've got this heaviness over you. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, something happens. Something just tickles your 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 funny bone, mm-hmm. and you just start giggling. And then you know you're not supposed to stop, which just makes you laugh harder yeah. and longer. And then you start to realize, holy shit, I actually feel really good because laughing is a release. It, it releases oh, yeah. the endorphins. Yeah. And I could see how you might get addicted to it because you're like, oh, my God, you're letting go of all of this weight. Yeah. You just laugh it away, never understanding the, the big picture. And, yeah, I could see it's... Pilgrim experiment all over again. It just spreads. Yeah, yeah. I could I could see that. You know? I or mean, you see someone, you're in another village far away, and all of a sudden you see this person who's just like giggling uncontrollably, and it's got to look ridiculous to them, and then they start giggling, and then it's just like a domino effect. It just keeps trickling down. It just keeps going. They've all been under this stress of this release from this mission control. Yeah. They have their quote unquote country back, but you know, you're brand freaking new. You don't know, you know, what's your law and order. How is this going to be? Is this going to be better? Is this going to be worse? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to me? Are they going to let me continue to go to school? Mm -hmm. Is that going to be all of a sudden a problem? Are the, you know, are there gorillas that are going to take over and and chop my arms off? Yeah, yeah, you know, you you just don't know. I get that. I get that huge uncertainty and just being like ha 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 ha, 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 ha. <laughs> for ten days straight. Yeah. yeah. No, I I think there's a bit of mania involved. Oh, in there's that. definitely you know. mania. But there, you know, your body does some weird things. It does. Now there's a Guinness Book uh, record that I always found interesting. It's this guy and he, he started uh hiccuping. Okay. Have you heard of this one? No. <laughs> so he, uh, uh, he was attempting to weigh 
like a hog. Okay. And he got, he was getting the hiccups mm-hmm. and he couldn't get rid of them. And uh, he had like two wives, eight kids. And he, um, he hiccuped for, it was like 60 years. Oh. Yeah. It was like 60, 70 years. Dude. Continuously hicked up. Hicked up. Work on your core. Never stop. That's a diaphragm yeah. problem. No, but that's what they always say. Like a hiccup is a cramp in your yeah. diaphragm. Yeah. But like, yeah. Yeah. Had it forever. Like just always. Yeah. Jesus. So that's what I'm saying. Like an example like that. Now, here's the thing with Guinness. Like generally they got to have somebody verify that. You know, that it happened. Yeah, they do. Yeah. You know, and it's in Guinness. But you just wonder how they verified that. You know, was it just everybody around them? And they were like, yeah, dude would never freaking stop, you know. Huh. But I always keep that in mind as part of my trunk of useless data. Right, yeah. You know, because you got to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you that didn't know, you're welcome. You have this now. Yes. You can't do anything The next time you're playing trivia in a bar, this could be helpful. Maybe, yeah. Could get you a point. Well, yeah. All right. For the trivia folks, his name was Charles Osborne. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah. Charles Osborne. Uh, but yeah, that's where like your body just does these weird things. And I mean, there's no reason, you know, rhyme or reason for right. it. Right. But what gets me is when the groups do it, like the dancing and the laughing, yeah. the groups do it. And yeah. Again, like if you were to talk to me before cult of the month, I'd be really kind of weirded out by it but yeah like after watching you know after doing these cults yeah it's amazing what people will fall into yep just so they don't look like the outlier yep they'll go through and especially at this time if you were an outlier you would be considered a witch outlier was hard living yeah real hard living fall fucking in in a time that we were just talking about that was hard living to begin with right it's not like it was easy you know and and to make it even worse so you would do some strange things to stay included and people do that now just to be included mm-hmm. um and that's just purely for social reasons they can take care of themselves and and all that but so i got a couple more all right i got a couple more in me all right dromomania or pathological tourism what most people like to take a holiday now and again. Yeah. However, for some people, they just can't stop. No Dromomania refers to the uncontrollable urge to travel, yeah. a pathological tourism, and it was all the rage in France between 1886 and 1909. The man who exemplified dromomania for the European medical establishment was a gas fitter from Bordeaux, one Jean-Albert Daras. Dadas was admit, admitted to the St. Andre Hospital in Bordeaux in 1886 after he had just re- returned from a truly epic journey. He was exhausted, of course, but also confused, vague, and foggy. He couldn't remember where he'd been or what he'd done. A doctor at the hospital managed to piece together his story and submit it to a medical journal under the charming name, Le Alliance Voyageurs, or The Mad Travelers. Dadas's compulsive traveling allegedly began after he illegally parted company with the French army near Mons in 1881. From there, he went east to Prague, then Berlin, through what was then East Prussia, finally to Moscow. 
In Moscow, he was arrested. A czar had just been assassinated and Dadas had the misfortune of being mistaken for a member of the nihilist movement responsible uh. and forced to march back to exile in Turkey. This may have actually suited his particular mental illness just fine. In Constantinople, he was somehow rescued by the French consulate and put on the road to Vienna, where he again took up work as a gas fitter. Dadas's story inspired several other cases of dromomania in France at the time. And if it wasn't an actual epidemic in the sense that a large number of people were actually suffering from it, there seemed to be an epidemic about talking about it amongst medical circles. It seemed to die out by around 1909, right around the time the alienists, proto-psychologists, started to actively investigate it. So even talking about it was a problem? Apparently. Like CrossFit? Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's like CrossFit and veganism. Which do you talk about? Yeah. Dadas's adventure also seemed to take place at a time when the medical community some driven by pseudosciences like eugenics, were mm. interested in parsing out all manner of mental illness into discrete manias. Dadas could have also been dealing with a bit of drapetomania, an obsession with running away from home, though he was definitely not suffering from clenomania, a refusal to leave one's bed. Of course, his dromomania probably would have been much easier on him if he'd also been suffering from Cardicothis, the compulsion to see maps everywhere. Mm. So I got an, I got one final one. We're going to end on a bang. Let's do it. Coro, or genital retraction syndrome. What? Another, quote, cultural bound syndrome. Coro refers to the irrational fear that one's genitalia is shrinking or retracting into one's body. And people have suffered it usually in mass hysteria epidemics, since around 300 B.C. What? It's particularly prevalent in Africa and Asia and is usually attended by severe anxiety, unsurprisingly, and fear of impending death, death or loss of sexual ability. One of the most recent outbreaks of Koro, or as it's called in Western medical circles, Genital retraction syndrome was in 1967 in Singapore when more than a thousand men tried to stave off shrinkage using clamps and pegs. That's probably how all that stuff started. Women have also been victims of the panic, often manifesting the fear that their breasts or nipples are disappearing. Really? However, Coro is more likely to strike men and, according to psychologists, more likely to strike men in societies where their worth is determined by their reproductive ability. Yeah, psychologists stink. usually blame cultural circumstance, pointing out that epidemics tend to follow periods of social tension or widespread anxiety. Chinese medicine, however, blamed female fox spirits, while in Africa it was usually considered the result of witchcraft. So. Wow. <laughs> so a bunch of people would get an innie and not an outie. Well, they thought they were getting an innie. That's weird. And they just, they were convinced that their genitalia was. Crawling in. Yeah. Shrinking. Weird. How, how do you even, I mean. How do you deal with that? How do you even get there? How do you be like, I, I swear to God, I lost a 16th of an inch. I mean, 
Maybe it was just cold, dude. I don't know. Cold's a little weird. I mean, it sucks. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you go through that phase of it. As you get older, you don't fucking care, but. Yeah. But since 300 but I could, BC. Yeah, I could see where that would be an issue, like getting like a spouse and, and all that. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. You, and you got this and guy. Like, I got to have. I got to have kids. Yeah. I got to go forth and multiply. And then I lost the 16th of an inch. How's this going to affect my ability or, to have kids? Or you got one guy who has to wrap it around his thigh. Otherwise, he'll drag on the ground. And then I you mean, come up with your any. Yeah. You know. And you're like, you... shit, is it supposed to look like that? <laughs> <laughs> Mine's broken. Mine's the exact opposite <laughs> of that. It's <laughs> quick. Give me a clamp. <laughs> yeah, right, man. Give me a rock and some string. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start having gravity work for me. Well, and that's where you. It's kind of how you look at genetics in that. Like maybe that was a problem then, and just I don't natural selection just fixed that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> maybe. I, you know, maybe maybe that's the case, but. I that's fucked up. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Especially if it ran rampant through like a whole town. Yeah. Everybody getting innies. Yeah. You know, and then there was the, the four that got, you know, just regular fucking, yeah. you know, regular hangage. And they're Dongs. just like, nice. Things are looking good for me. <laughs> I think I'm going to get five wives today. That's, uh... This is going to be good for me. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's a good one. I thought you yeah. would like it. No, I uh, I appreciate folks hanging in with us today. It was a little, yeah. little rough for old Frankie here. Hopefully, Frankie will be better, and I yeah. won't have caught it. I know. You're yeah. doing good so far. Come, come next week. You know? um, mm-hmm. So what do we got next week lined up? We got a heavy one next week, guys. We have Fred and Rosemary West. I know. Uh I'm going to, I don't usually throw out uh, warnings, if you will, but this is along the lines of Albert Fish. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's not great. They're serial killers. Yeah. I like how you try to say, well, you know, it's not going to go well. It's like, they're serial killers. They are. Yeah. They are. The couple that slays together stays together. It's on the marquee. It, it is. Yeah. It is. Fred uh, and Rosemary West and their uh, hijinks will be yeah. next week. Uh, yeah. We hope everybody's uh, enjoying getting into the Halloween season. Yes. Uh, I am also, because I was getting an awful lot of pushback about my fall recipes, I have also included Halloween decoration, like DIYs. Yeah. You know, figure, all right, if food's not your jam, maybe this is. So I'm I'm trying to well, trying to keep it cool in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool and nice. Uh Hocus Pocus 2 does drop sometime this fall. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be in September or October, but for those of you that are into it, Disney Plus. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now, um, one call of action. If okay. you could uh, tell a friend or someone you know about the podcast, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, we, we're, we're going to ask you to, to phone a friend. Spread the love. 
<laughs> and you are you have been. You guys are doing love. great. No, we uh, we really appreciate all the new listeners that have been uh, coming into play. Yes, welcome aboard. And uh, as you can see, my method of plague shows our commitment uh, to this podcast. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you had an occurrence mm-hmm. with uh, when we did the Robert the Doll episode. Was it Robert the Doll? It sure was. Yeah, yeah. You yep. uh, that was I had fun doing that one. You did, yeah. but he kind of got to you. Yeah. Which was, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the shadow men, they uh, mm-hmm. they gave me a run for yeah, my sanity yeah. for quite a while. No, definitely. Please uh, please tell a friend. We'd appreciate it. And we sure if you would. can, uh, give us a like and subscribe on your uh, your favorite platform. Yep, or follow or whatever the new thing yeah, is. Yeah, smash that like button. Oh, I hate that. I know. I hate everything about it. So I'm like, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to smash shit for you, dude. <laughs> so rule number one. No Ouija boards. Number two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Number five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. Six. No apathy. You need to act to help enact a positive change in this world. Number seven. Don't let the black-eyed children in. Don't look at them. Don't think about them. Nothing. The Ocho. Just listen. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the most important of all the rules. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't listen, you'll do something stupid like get a Ouija board. Get a and doll. the next thing you know, yeah, you've yeah. got Ouija boards and dolls or if a doll got, that wears a cape. If you got a doll that wears a cape playing a Ouija board. You definitely didn't listen. No. At all. And it's like you want your house to be possessed by demonic You want to be the next movie. Yeah. Well, That's guess what? That's based on a true story. Ed and Lorraine Warren aren't here anymore, so they can't... They can't... We should take the call. Monopolize in. you. You know, we should. Yeah. But I don't think we would approach it the way they did. I don't think we would look no, at I it think, as I a think we uh, should. smash and grab. No, I think um, I'll paint their house. Fire sale. I'll, I'll paint <laughs> yeah. their house and knock on their door. Be like, hi, I took a painting of your house. I made a painting of your house. Would you yeah. like to purchase it? Would you like to purchase it? <laughs> Is your house haunted, by the way? Right. God, what a weird segue for them. Uh, I mean, yeah. it kind of all, it tracks. Well, it makes sense. We look forward to talking to you next with Fred and Rosemary West. Uh, we do. Have a lovely day, a wonderful week. And make good choices. Take care.